Welcome to the Midnight Podcast. The story we will be reading today is when I was eight years old, I was kidnapped by Princess Rapunzel and Flynn Rider. Three days ago, I tried to save them. Ten years too late. By Trashtia. I hope you enjoy. I was eight years old when I met Flynn Rider. Well, in my kid brain, I did. I'm not going to tell you his real name right now, but it will make me feel better if I refer to him as Flynn. Anyway, it was my first proper trip to one of the most magical places on the planet, and my last, as a kid, that is. The trip had been for my birthday, and everything I endured before setting foot inside those towering gates was worth it. The long car ride and the sicky feeling in my tummy which wouldn't go away, the relentless heat scorching the air, as well as mom yelling at me for not putting on sunscreen. All of it was worth it when I stepped into Fantasyland. A chocolate milkshake with rapidly melting whipped cream in my clammy hands, that sicky feeling twisting into anticipation. I remember the air itself smelled like cotton candy and deep fried everything, and I was so excited I was speechless. Mom was next to me keeping a firm grasp on my hand. She was looking through the map, slurping on her own rainbow-colored slushy. I'm not sure how I lost Mom. When I think back, I just remember getting progressively more and more excited until I couldn't stand it. I ran forwards, wanting to go on every ride and taste every drink and eat all the treats. I know Mom wasn't far behind me at one point, her eyes still on the map. Every so often she would look up, peering through willowy blonde hair she was struggling to keep under her sun hat. Emma, don't stray away, she said, and I turned around and nodded, doing a twirl in my dress. Mom was taking a while to go through the map, and I was getting bored. Every time I asked her if she'd found a place to go, she gave me a warning look. I was too excited to wait, and slowly the distance between us got farther apart. When I sidestepped to a less busy part of the strip, running past Disney characters, greeting people and taking photos, I still couldn't see her. Mom had made sure to tell me to find a trash can and wait for her if we somehow lost each other. But after five minutes of standing next to a bright trash can which spoke like Stitch, my tummy started to twist. I thought the milkshake would help. I took several big gulps but suddenly it didn't taste as good. It felt wrong in my hands. Squinting into the crowd, the sun's glare was too bright, too hot. I saw other kids with their moms. No other kid was on their own, and that made me feel worse. Mom? I called out for her, waving my arms maniacally. Mommy! I'm sure you know how scary it is to lose your parents in public. At eight years old, it can go either two ways. One, ecstatic because you're left in a new world to explore. Or, terrified because you're alone. Yes, there's a world to explore, but it's huge and unfamiliar. No parents in sight. I was the latter. The world started to spin, colors merging in a meaningless blur. I whipped my head back and forth trying to find Mum's sun hat, her pretty blue dress. But she had been swallowed by the stampede of people enveloping me. My tummy started to hurt. I wouldn't cry. Crying was for babies but my eyes were watering and my milkshake was making me feel sicker, not better. I was crying when a warm hand grabbed mine, and I lurched back on instinct. I knew about stranger danger. I knew not to talk to people I didn't know. 
but the familiarity of the hand made my chest ache, the wedding ring I always pulled off when I was trying to get her attention, the beaded bracelet from her best friend. When I looked up, Mom was looming over me, and she was smiling. Emma, she squeezed my hand and I stopped crying. Where on earth did you go? I looked away for one second and you were halfway down the strip. I thought Mom was mad, but she looked too relieved to be annoyed. I stayed by my mom's side for the rest of the day, clutching her hand tightly on different rides and making sure not to look strangers in the eye. It wasn't until our day was coming to a close when I started to get brave again. Mom was talking to another woman with a baby stroller, and after standing for a while making funny faces at the baby, I decided to explore. It wasn't going to be far, that's what I told myself. Mom always took 8 million years to talk to her friends and I usually got bored and fidgety. I was blowing raspberries at passersby when I got a glimpse of one of my favorite Disney princesses across the walk. I had seen Tangled a grand total of 13 times, 14 including the time I was sick and hallucinated the whole plot while watching it. Flynn was different to the other princes. He made me laugh all the way through the movie. Just the scene when he was knocked out with the frying pan had me dying of laughter and rewinding the Blu-ray, much to Mom's annoyance. Flynn looked exactly like he did in the movie. Longish brown hair swept to the side and a hook-like nose clashing with handsome features. His signature leather satchel strapped over a white shirt and blue jacket. I expected him to be talking to other kids who were running by yelling his name, but he wasn't paying any attention to them leaning against the wall with his arms folded. The sword he was supposed to wave around like in the movie was sticking from his belt. It looked like he was scanning the crowd. Every kid who walked past caught his attention and he started to come alive, standing straighter, his frown twisting into a smile, before their parents joined them and his shoulders slumped. He was looking for something, I thought, and that made me wonder if there was going to be some kind of show. Earlier, Mom had taken me to an under-the-sea interactive show, but when I strayed further from Mom and closer to Flynn, the prince wasn't putting on any show, or at least none I could see, but he was looking for something in the crowd. I hid behind a statue of Ariel and peeked behind it. When I was sure his gaze went back into the crowd, I waved with a grin. There was no sign of Maximus or the frying pan, or its wielder, but I was happy to see him at least. I was waving my arms like a maniac when he finally caught my eye, and something in his expression changed. Again, his eyes flickered back and forth, looking for something. This time, he stood up straight and looked me directly in the eye. I grinned at him, and he smiled back and took out his sword, waving it. Then he winked at me, and after a moment he gestured me over. I hesitated at first. Mom told me never to talk to strangers. But this was Flynn Ryder. He wasn't a stranger. I knew him like I knew my friends. Mom would understand me talking to a prince. When I looked over my shoulder, I saw Mom still talking to her friend, and I was in her field of vision, just like she said. So it would be okay. I skipped over and jumped in front of him. Are you Flynn Ryder? I lowered my voice. I don't like your real name. Eugene Fitzerbert was the worst name in the history of mankind. He shrugged. Yeah, I guess. When I stopped smiling, he seemed to rethink his answer. His expression twisted and I swore I saw pain. Pain he was trying to hide. Still though, he grinned 
which was forced. Oh, yeah, no, of course. Yeah, I, I am. I'm Flynn Rider. That's me. I folded my arms. Your nose is bigger in the movie. Thanks. Flynn's smile wasn't as big as it was in the movie. He seemed distracted. His voice was different too. He sounded younger, like my older cousin who was in his first year of high school. But I wasn't going to complain. He just confirmed it was him. Hi, I waved my drink. Can I give you a hug? You're my favorite. I had to think for a moment. After Maximus. I expected him to roll his eyes and laugh like he did in the movie. Flynn and Maximus had a love-hate relationship, and it was one of my favorite parts. Instead, though, he nodded. Yeah, sure. Flynn looked behind me. You, uh... Are you with your parents? I followed his gaze. Yeah, my mommy's talking to her friend, I said. She talks forever. My daddy said he wants to divorce her for it. I was so excited I couldn't stop speaking, even when I hadn't completely thought my words through. He nodded. Ah. Flynn grabbed me awkwardly and wrapped his arms around me in a hug. He smelled like crushed fall leaves and spicy oranges. I opened my mouth to tell him how much I loved the movie, when his grip suddenly tightened, and then it was hard to breathe without taking a sharp gulp of breath. My face was pressed against his shoulder, and the scents of fall leaves and oranges were suffocating. I tried to pull away, tried to cry out, but he held me tighter. Listen, kid. Flynn's voice was far too different now. He didn't sound like a prince. He sounded like a stranger. I need you to do something for me. I know you're scared. And I wouldn't be doing this if I wasn't desperate. Trust me. I'm not, I'm not like this, okay? I didn't just wake up this morning and decide to kidnap a kid. His voice broke and he was panting into my shoulder. I could feel something warm dampening the straps of my dress. You're going to follow me away from the crowd, okay? Forget about your mommy. Just, just... He swore again, and I could almost feel this battle he was having with himself. He wanted to let me go. He wanted to let me run away. But something was stopping him. Something dark. A shadow hanging over him. Something about his words, his voice, was sincere. Or maybe I was just a naive eight-year-old who wanted to go somewhere with a fictional prince. At that point, I couldn't see the faceless figure behind the costume. The boy with no identity who was crying out for help. All I saw was pure fantasy. Come with me. That's all I'm asking. I'm not that scary. I could only squeak into the material of his shirt. Okay. I am slightly scary. I don't blame you for wanting to run away. Can't I help you here? I whispered. There are too many cameras. What about my mommy? I'll bring you back to her. I just need help. He groaned defeating the evil queen or whatever. She's back? I whispered in a shriek. Yeah, sure, Gotham is back. Do you mean Gothel? The boy sighed. Yes, Gothel. Are you going to help me or not? When I managed to nod, his grip on me slipped away. I was free. I was free of his suffocating grasp, and I could have run. I could still hear Mom several yards away, but when I looked up at Flynn... At the look on his face, which was bleeding with desperation and pain and emotions, I couldn't even understand at that age. I knew I had to go with him. The world was different when I blinked and fully took everything. Colors were duller. The crowd was thinning, and the smell in the air smelled like expired milk. 
Flynn was no longer illuminated in light like earlier when I first glimpsed him. Now he was shrouded in a darkness I didn't understand. Tendrils of black twined around him, the sun drifting across the horizon and the sky was darkening. Flynn took my hand and took several steps back before he started to run. I stumbled, struggling to keep up. Where are we going? I gasped out, twisting around, catching one last glance at my mom. She was oblivious, a smile on her lips. Panic filled me. Would I see my mom again? I tripped over my shoes, but he just pulled me further before I could bend and tie my laces. Flynn didn't answer my first question, and I managed to choke it out again when we slowed. Flynn came to an abrupt stop. He was calculating where to go. His gaze snapped to a security camera, and he took a step back before yanking me behind an attraction. There was a sign which said closed, but Flynn kept going, pulling me past signs which kept telling us to go back, and then helping me climb over a gate. When I hit the ground knees first, he helped me to my feet. You okay? He frowned at my grazed knee, but I could barely feel it. I nodded and tried to smile. It doesn't hurt. His lips quirked slightly into what might have been an actual Flynn Rider smile before settling back into his accustomed frown. Damn it, Flynn hissed out. He was looking at something behind me. Please, never make me do that again. Relax, another voice, and my head snapped up. There she was under a setting sun, dull rays of sunlight blurring around a halo of golden curls plated and entangled with blooming flowers and a purple dress which pooled around her feet. Rapunzel. Like Flynn, she was different. Her smile didn't light up her whole face, and her eyes, instead of glittering with excitement and joy, were dark and hollow. The princess had her hands on her hips. There were certain things I noticed about her which took away the magic. Her dress looked too tight around her waist, and her expression was pinched. Did you find the kid? Her blue eyes shot to me in what looked like hope. Flynn settled her with a glare, not playful like the movie. It was the same glare Mom gave my dad when he came home late with his assistant. Obviously, he gestured to me. You don't seem the least bit phased that I just literally snatched a child. Well, did anyone see you? No, I don't think so, but still, this doesn't feel right. Taking a kid. Her eyes softened. It was for a purpose. You know we won't be able to get out of here without her. What do you mean? I whispered. I thought I was saving you from the evil witch. The princess took my hands gently. What's your name? I ducked my head. Emma. Rapunzel's smile was a little more genuine then, at least an attempt. Hello, Emma. Now, I know you're scared and we wouldn't be doing this if there was another way, but there isn't. Her tone hardened. We need you to do something for us, okay? And it's not going to be easy, but you're going to be brave, Emma. Stop sugarcoating it. When I looked up, Flynn's lips were twisted. His eyes, like hers, were dark. So dark I couldn't see through them. The glimpse of the real prince I'd gotten when I grazed my knee was gone, and I was left once again with a stranger. He stabbed at his temples. I know this is getting stronger, but you can't let go of who you are, who we are. You're not a princess. So stop acting like one. If you get into it, it'll be easier for those guys to take us. He held up his arm and ripped up his sleeve. His skin didn't look like mine. It looked like it was rippling, writhing, 
like there was something underneath. Creepy crawlies. I bit my lip against a cry. Flynn looked like he was going to cry himself. See? He choked out, stabbing at his arm. It's already starting, and I can't stop it. I can feel this crap draining away everything I am, and it's messed up. It's seriously messed up. Do you think I want to become some Disney prince? I can't even remember my damn name. I have to keep reminding myself, and even then it's hard. I watched as the boy dropped to his knees with his head in his lap. I just want to go to college. I want to finish my senior year and see my aunt again. I can't even remember what she looks like anymore. All of it. Everything is gone. He lifted his head, his gaze going to Rapunzel, who was trembling. I'd never seen Rapunzel look so scared, so helpless. Wouldn't it be nice to remember her? He whispered. Your mom? The mom you keep talking about, but no matter what you do, you can't remember her face? What she smells like? Flynn sighed and reached up to scrub his face. We're losing that opportunity. Day by day. Hour by hour. So yeah, this is my long-winded way of saying you don't have to keep the facade. So please. She doesn't need a pep talk filled with rainbows and cotton candy. She needs reality. We tell her what's going on, and then we tell her what she needs to do. And the kid does it. Because if we don't, if we keep standing here like idiots playing make-believe, she's going to get the wrong idea. The princess shook her head with a sigh. She let go of my hands, her expression hardening. Right, she whispered. Emma, you're going to help us, okay? I shook my head. Flynn was scaring me. I want my mommy. You can go back to your mommy, she whispered. We just need you to do something extra special for us, okay? I peeked at Flynn and he scowled. Kid, we don't have time for this. You're either going to help us or... He trailed off. We'll make you help us. You're scaring her. Rapunzel shot him a warning look. I'm scaring her? Good. What else? What else do we do? How the hell do we get out of this? Stop swearing, I whispered. I don't like it when you swear. The boy opened his mouth, but Rapunzel shushed him. Calm down. We've still got a few days before they empty us. Empty you? I shrieked. Flynn snatched my milkshake and tipped it, pouring the contents onto the ground. Every drop, kid. I squeezed my eyes shut. What do I do? Rapunzel straightened up. Do you know the It's a Small World ride, Emma? I nodded. Mom promised we could ride it at the end of the day. Well, Rapunzel bit her lip. We need you to ride it, and don't worry, I can get you on super fast, don't worry. Flynn nodded. We need you to jump out under the first tunnel. What? started to shake my head, but he gently took my shoulders. Listen to me, he said. You're going to sit at the back of the ride. It's pretty late in the day, so there shouldn't be too many people, and it's dark. Rapunzel will make sure your seatbelt is loose, and you just have to jump out at the first tunnel. The prince shook me so hard the world started to spin. It has to be the first tunnel, do you understand? Inside the tunnel there's a sort of... Uh, I guess you can call it... Uh, it's a big rabbit hole, Rapunzel said, shooting me a reassuring smile. Have you seen Alice in Wonderland? I nodded. Well, it's just like that. It's a magical hole in the ground. All you need to do is jump in. 
Flynn must have seen my look of hesitation. I know it sounds scary, kid. Like we're sending you to your demise. Rapunzel shoved him hard. But it'll be fine, he said. They pump weird crap into the air to prevent kids hurting themselves. Instead of falling, you'll fly, like fairy dust. Flynn seemed to catch himself actually smiling and groaned. Great. I'm really acting like this crap is real. It is real. Rapunzel shoved him again. Fairy dust, Emma. You'll fly. We promise. I did want to fly. I'd wanted to fly ever since watching Peter Pan. Now here's the hard part. Rapunzel stood up and started to pace, while Flynn dropped his head into his arms. How long do we have? The princess asked. Maybe five minutes, he replied. And that's if her mom hasn't come looking for her. Right. Rapunzel took a deep breath. Emma, here comes the hard part, okay? She came to stand in front of me and I looked up. And finally, cracks were starting to appear in her appearance. Her makeup was running in the heat and she'd rolled up the sleeves of her dress. You're going to land in a... In a big room, the princess said. And you're going to promise me that you're going to keep your eyes closed as soon as you land, okay? You don't need to see anything, Emma. What you need to do is take two steps and reach out. You'll feel a big red button, and what you're going to do is press it. I frowned. Why can't I look? I don't like the dark. The two of them exchanged glances and Rapunzel sighed. The spell, Flynn said. If you open your eyes, the spell won't work. Rapunzel raised her brow. I thought you didn't want to play fantasy. He shrugged. You try convincing her to keep her eyes shut without traumatizing her. The princess nodded solemnly. Right. Uh, two big steps, Emma. Keep your eyes shut extra tight and press the button. You don't need to see what's inside the room because there isn't anything to see. But if you open your eyes, the spell won't work. The spell on Mother Gothel? I whispered, my gut fluttering with excitement. She nodded. Exactly. Then we can all go home and you can go back to your mommy. There was a pause and I finally said the words which had been choking my mouth since Flynn started yelling. Is someone hurting you? I asked, a lump in my throat. The princess held out her arm. Like Flynn's, it looked wrong. Too shiny. It's okay, she murmured. You can touch it. I did, running my fingers over her skin, and immediately retracted my hand with a cry. Her arm didn't feel like my own, or my mommy's. It was hard and smooth and metal. It felt like my mom's car door when I slammed my hand against it, impatiently waiting for my mom to unlock it. I tried again and the further my fingers glided past her elbow, I relaxed. Her skin felt more normal. When I frowned at her, the princess spoke, but her voice was choked. See? Still got patches of skin left. Where her skin started to writhe like Flynn's, something moving under so-called flesh, I staggered back and she pulled down her sleeve. It's okay, she said softly, pointing to her ear. She pulled off her blonde wig, revealing dark hair tied into a ponytail. It was surreal seeing Rapunzel having different hair, but the more she revealed of herself, the calmer I felt. The princess grazed her fingers over her right ear where something was attached, a device I'd never seen before. The green light reminded me of my cousin's PlayStation 1. As long as you press that big red button, this won't be able to hurt me anymore. What is it? I peered closer, poking it. 
Her eyes darkened. It, it, it was Mother Gothel. She pointed to Flynn, and like Rapunzel, he too was wearing a wig, this time over dark red hair covered with something white and netted. See, Flynn's got one too. It's like uh, a, a magic spell. A dark spell which isn't making us feel very good. And once you push the reject button, I mean the off button, we'll be free. We can't so much as mutter the word help, or they'll fry us. That's why we need you. Flynn poked at his own ear, stabbing at the flashing green light. That's why I was looking for kids with no parents. You're easier to convince. He nodded at me. You think you can do this, kid? Yeah. I smiled despite my jumping gut. I want to save you from the evil witch. Rapunzel grabbed my hands again. Remember it like this, she said. Jump off at the first tunnel. Rabbit hole, fairy dust. Big red button, I whispered. When I recited it back to her, she laughed and held out her hand for a high five. All right, let's do this, Princess Emma. A cry made me jump, and Rapunzel's smile bled away, replaced with a cry which didn't hit the sound barrier. I remember her turning away from me, her fake golden hair flying into my face. The world seemed to move slowly, and I could only watch as Flynn hit the ground, his quaking hands going to his head, and she was already there, grabbing him and pulling him to his feet. Flynn! Rapunzel was speaking, her voice twisted with panic. Hey, stay with me, okay? She grabbed at his face, and I was frozen, watching. It was just like the movie, except in the movie, Flynn's eyes hadn't been rolling back and forth, showing the whites of his eyes, sharp rivulets of red dripping down his face. He was crying over Rapunzel's hisses of reassurance, his fingers clawing at his ears. Hell, damn it. He was speaking in sharp breaths. I, my head, I can't, I can't hold it back, it hurts. Rapunzel twisted around to me, her face pale. Emma, promise me you can do this, she cried. You can push that button, right? I managed to nod, watching her help the prince to his unsteady feet. His expression kept changing from who he was, the scowling princess who was always in a bad mood, to something else, something I recognized, but it wasn't good recognition. It felt wrong, fake, that plastic grin which split his lips apart and lit up his eyes. Rapunzel grasped his hand, and I knew just by looking at her, that she was prepared to put me in danger to save him. That was exactly what I expected from my favorite princess. But reality was starting to seep in, and I didn't like it. Stay here, she said. Do you have any jobs right now? Just walking around and, and, and winking at little brats. Flynn clawed at his face. Maya, I can't do this. They're in my head. His voice was a broken wail, but I couldn't register it. All I could hear was a brand new name. A name which suddenly fit Princess Rapunzel. You can, Rapunzel hissed. She cradled his face. It's five minutes, Roman. You can hold on for five minutes, can't you? He only offered her a sickly smile. And what happens if I end up like Charming, like Jasmine and Snow White? Hell, they took snow today. Tomorrow, it's Aladdin and Eric, and then me. It starts with skin, and then brain, and finally... That's not going to happen, she gritted out. Rapunzel marched forwards and grabbed me. Come on, Emma. This time her grasp was tight, but I held on. Flynn sunk to the floor. I've got a jacket down there. 
If you could get it and take it to my aunt so she knows I didn't just disappear into the never realm, that would be great. His voice was strange, wobbly, like dad when he had too much wine. Rapunzel didn't turn around, pulling me with her. No, because she's pressing that button. Stay here, Roman. It's red, Flynn yelled while the princess was helping me climb back over the gate. It's got... It's got a Pikachu on the zip. You know what a Pikachu is, right? By the time we were at the It's a Small World ride, my stomach was galloping. The line wasn't long and Rapunzel was quick, pulling me through the entrance and then helping me into my seat. I noticed her trembling hands when she was buckling me in. Maya, that's your name, I whispered when she was struggling to loosen the belt. The princess lifted her head and blinked at me when I said that name. I could tell by her eyes that she was happy to hear that name, but her lips pursed and she shook her head. They're nicknames, she said shakily, smoothing down my dress. Okay, uh, tell me again what you need to do. The ride rumbled underneath me and in front. A group of kids squealed in delight. When I looked around, it was dark, the water black beneath me. I squeezed my hands into fists. First tunnel, I whispered. Rabbit hole, fairy dust, big red button. And what are you not going to do? Open my eyes. Rapunzel nodded. That's right, she whispered. When the ride started, I waved to Rapunzel, but she didn't wave back. I still remember her pale face lit up by the glow of animatronic dolls coming to life. When the song started, I focused on the princess's words and stared hard at the running water below me. There were two orderlies, but both of them were focused on the kids at the front. As the ride slowly drifted towards the first tunnel, and I was greeted to yet another wall of dolls coming to life in sharp, twitching movements, I grabbed at my seatbelt. The world was enveloped in black only lit up by faded white light, and when the kids at the front started screaming, I pulled my seatbelt apart and jumped up. Everything was spinning, and my legs wouldn't move properly, but somehow I managed to plant one foot on the side of the ride. Flynn told me the ride was close to the ledge, so I only had to step off, and with his words echoing in my head, I made sure the orderlies weren't looking before stepping off the ride. At first I was off balance, and I thought I was going to fall into the water, but I caught myself. The ride continued without me, and I ducked just like Rapunzel had told me. Once the ride was heading towards the second tunnel, I blindly walked on the ledge, scanning for the hole. It was too dark. I couldn't see anything. I remember being frustrated, stamping, looking for the magical hole. When the ground left my feet, I cried out, but my scream was swallowed up as I plunged my body slipping into nothing. Flynn and Rapunzel had promised me it would be like flying, but it didn't feel like flying. I lost all my breath in a scream, and I wasn't floating like I thought I would. I was slicing through the air at a pace I could barely keep up with. They said it would take a while for me to land because of the fairy dust, but when I opened my eyes, there was no sparkling fairy dust. There was just the dark. Darkness. Before I hit something. Pain exploded bloated in my body, and I had to bite back a cry. Remembering Rapunzel's words, I covered my eyes before I could see anything, and I could see something. It was no longer dark, the endless oblivion I had been trapped in making way for a scary red light. Trying not to cry, I stood up, still with my hands over my eyes. I'd lost my shoes when I landed, and my feet were bare. 
I could feel them standing on something soft. When I took a shaky step forwards, the sensation of the ground changed. No longer soft, like I was walking through materials of some sort. There was something wet. I was standing in something wet and warm which pooled in between my toes and stuck to my soles. What did Rapunzel say again? Two big steps. I took my first step, my breath quivering. It was so hard not to peek between the cracks in my fingers. Another step. This time I stepped on something. This time it was cold and squashy. It felt familiar. Like earlier holding mom's hand. I reached out for the big red button, but I was clawing thin air. I started to panic and stumbled back, but I was standing on something else. This time it was sharp and crunched. I couldn't take it anymore. My eyes shot open on instinct. I peeled my hands from my face, choking on a cry. The gravity of what I had done didn't fully settle in, but I wasn't thinking about Rapunzel and Flynn's words. Instead, I was looking forwards at the source of the scary red light which had illuminated the cracks between my fingers. There was a giant machine towering over me. It reminded me of a monster with an angular opening like the jaw of a shark. I didn't look at what was inside the monster's mouth, because at that moment, my brain wasn't registering it. I wasn't looking at the piles and piles of sleeping people who I had been standing on. There was a conveyor belt contraption in front of the machine. I started forwards blindly when I glimpsed the big red button on a control panel. Of other strange buttons and switches. But then something caught my eye. At the very top of the pile of sleeping people was something red. It stuck out to me, not because of the color, but because of the strange yellow thing connected to its zip. Something warm slithered up my throat, but I couldn't cry out. There was no exit. Only the yawing mouth of a monstrous metal beast which had spat out all these sleeping people. Before I could stop myself, I stumbled onto the pile and reached for the jacket. But I was seeing closer. I began to realize they weren't sleeping. They were broken like dolls, some with heads and some without. The red jacket, when I reached out to grab it, was attached to something. A body buried in discarded parts. I was frozen, my fingers still grasped in the material of the jacket and the ground suddenly rumbled beneath me. The monster had woken up. But it didn't eat me. It was shaking, spitting, making the same sound as my mom's lawnmower. The red light turned green, followed by my screams. They were deafening, sending me to my knees. It was a girl, her cries rattling my skull. There wasn't just her scream. The sound of my mom's lawnmower continued. But I wouldn't listen to it. I couldn't. When her screams died down and the ground stopped shaking, rumbling, the light turned red once again and I risked a peek between my fingers. The conveyor belt was moving, I realized, and on it, bleeding into the dark, was a girl in a dress I recognized. Her screams were replaced with a melodic voice I knew all too well. I'd seen the movie so many times. I recognized her black hair, her pale white skin, her face was illuminated in eerie light, a wide smile prickling her lips. But there was something wrong. The way she was standing, her drooping eyes which popped out of her skull. She was posing. Her hands clasped out in front of her, an apple balanced in her palms. Would you like an apple? Snow White said, her legs metallic and shiny, 
were trembling beneath her. Footsteps. A voice. Great. She's coming out wrong. I couldn't move, my gaze still on Snow White. The way a strong pair of arms grabbed and pulled her off the conveyor belt. Ah, who let a kid in? The voice barely penetrated my ears. I couldn't stop staring at the princess, at her drooping eyes and wide grin. Warm arms grabbed hold of me, and that was when I snapped out of it. I started screaming, and I didn't stop until they cleaned me up and carried me out of the ride and back into my sobbing mother's arms. I couldn't stop screaming, couldn't calm down, even when my mom whispered into my hair that everything was okay. I was thinking about the sleeping bodies with pieces missing from them. I told her and the staff about Flynn and Rapunzel, and that they were hurting, that they needed help, but they just laughed at me and said I had a vivid imagination. I didn't stop screaming and struggling until a man with a smile too wide for his face told the two of us to leave and gave us free smoothies. Still, I didn't stop. Nobody would believe me, and it was killing me that I hadn't been able to press that red button. Since then, I've had 12 therapists, and I've bitten three of them. No matter what I say, I'm told it wasn't real, that I'd somehow jumped off of the It's a Small World ride and I'd gone exploring, building a fantasy in my mind. When I was 13, I asked mom to go to Disney for my birthday, but she refused and took me to the movies instead. I spent my childhood trying and failing to get back in there, and when I turned 15 and made a plan to go with several friends, mom let it slip that I had been officially uninvited from the park due to the incident when I was eight. Still that didn't stop me. I waited until my mom could no longer make my decisions for me, and when I went back three days ago, I changed my name on my ticket and used a fake ID. I didn't think it would work, but somehow I got in. On the 20th of July, 2022, I went back, 10 years later. The park has changed, sure, but I knew exactly where I was going. First tunnel, rabbit hole, berry dust, red button. I use those words as a mantra these days for times when I can't breathe and panic settles in. I was muttering them when I headed into It's a Small World. The ride looked far different to the one I'd seen 10 years ago. It must have received multiple refurbishments. I started to panic. If that was true, then how did I get down there? To my disdain, it was closed. There was a guard outside, and I strode over to him, going over the mantra in my head. First tunnel, rabbit hole, fairy dust, red button. I need to get in there. I said through a lump in my throat. When he gave me a strange look, I hissed out, I just want to see the ride itself, not ride it. He rolled his eyes. Sorry, ride's closed due to a malfunction. We'll have it up and running in a few hours. But, kid, it's dark in there anyway. Can't see anything. I held my breath. It's for a project. I need photos. The ride is closed. I nodded, a slither of dread curling in my gut. Right. Thanks. I turned around, gagging on the smell of cotton candy and deep-fried everything. What now? I twisted back to the guard. Do you know where I can meet Flynn Ryder and Rapunzel? Aren't you a little old? It's for my friend. His lip quirked. Uh-huh. He pointed. Tangled characters are over there, kid. Knock yourself out. I ended up at a cafe I can't remember the name of. 
I'd searched for Flynn and Rapunzel, but they were nowhere to be seen. I glimpsed Moana talking to a bunch of kids and Ariel and Eric walking hand in hand. I couldn't look at them. I could feel myself starting to break apart. I'd spent so long trying to get into the park, and now I was there, I felt like I was going to be sick. I jumped when the bench wobbled and someone had sat across from me. He held out a cartoon picture in black and white. See? They can't get my nose right. Sad, right? Man, guess I'll just live with a large nose. I can't describe what I felt then. A mixture of pain and regret and joy at finally seeing him again. It was Flynn. He looked exactly the same. Not aging a day. It was him, and yet it also wasn't. Because he wasn't scowling at me or yelling in my face. That spark. The spark I'd been scared of as a kid and what I was desperately searching for as an adult wasn't there. Hi, name's Flynn Rider, crook by day, dashing young gentleman by night. I took a deep breath. I'm late. I managed to hiss through a sob I couldn't hold back. I looked him in the eye, but he was looking right through me. It hurt. This stranger who I didn't even know, who I tried to save, it hurt that he wasn't looking at me. His expression was frozen in a cartoonish grin and I thought back to Snow White on the conveyor belt. Ten years, I whispered. But I couldn't. They wouldn't let me come back. I, I tried. I swear to God I tried. I wanted to come back the day after, but days piled up and my mom wouldn't listen. Flynn, I, I swallowed. Roman, uh, I, I mean Roman. Hi, Flynn said again. Name's Flynn Ryder. What would you like to do today? We've got a variety of things fit for both kids and adults. He jumped up, still with that grin. If you need help, just come and talk to me, alright? He winked, but when I looked closer, his facial expression was frozen, his right eye winking on cue. I don't bite. Maximus, however, does bite. Eugene. I couldn't breathe, suddenly. Princess Rapunzel was looming over us, giggling. Be nice to Maximus. He rolled his eyes at me, then shot a grin at her. We get along. Sort of. Kind of. Almost never. Rapunzel's gaze found mine, and there was a fake warmth. Nothing of what I remembered. The sincerity in hollow eyes. What would you like to do today? We've got a variety of things fit for both kids and adults. They were saying the same thing, over and over, and I couldn't stand it. I don't remember much of what happened after that. I went back to It's a Small World ride and I was screaming at the top of my voice, slamming my hands into the gates. There was nobody around, but still I was grabbed and escorted out of the park. I was given a bottle of water and once I gave my name in a hysterical cry, they told me to go home and if I set foot in there again, the police would be called. I stayed outside the gate for a while. At first I thought of plans to go back in. But when the reality settled in that I was too late, ten years too late, I stood up and turned to go. I grabbed my bag from the ground and shouldered it, and I started forwards. But I stopped when the hair of my neck stood up. My stomach twisted into knots. I turned around slowly to find a figure standing at the gates. I glimpsed fingers wrapped around steel, tightening, so tight. Flynn. His right eye was still winking erratically, a sad smile twitching on lips trying to form a grin. I moved closer, my breath in my throat. Flynn opened his mouth, 
It's a small world, he said. It's a small world, isn't it? I started to answer him, but the same guard was coming towards me. Hey, I said go home. Damn, Disney adults. When I looked back at the gate, Flynn was gone. I got a restraining order in the mail this morning, but it's not going to stop me. I might be ten years late, but I believe I can still get in there. I can still save them. I hope you enjoyed this story. If you did and you're on YouTube, like the video, maybe subscribe if you're feeling so inclined. If you'd like to do more than that though, uh, you can uh, join the Patreon where there's early access and stuff like that. Also, huge shout out to those who have decided to become patrons. Really appreciate you. And if you are listening from Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcast episodes, I don't know what your options are, but hey, I just appreciate you stopping by and checking out this episode. And I do hope to hear from you in one way or another. I guess with all that said, I hope you enjoyed it. Have a great day. We'll see you in the next one.